Chapter Nine of Danny's Own Story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis. Chapter Nine. We was jogging along one afternoon, not fur from a good-sized town at the top of Ohio, right on the lake, when we run across some remainders of a busted circus riding in a stake and chain wagon. They was two fellers, both jugglers, acrobats, and tumblers, and a balloon. The circus had busted without paying them nothing but promises for months and months, and they had took the team in wagon and balloon by attachment, they said they was carting her from the little burg the show busted in to that good-sized town on the lake they would sell the team and wagon there and get money enough to put an advertisement in the billboard which is like a bible to them showmen that they had a balloon to sell and was at liberty one of them was the slimmest light-footed quickest feller you ever seen with a big nose and dark complected and his name was tobias the other was heavier and blond complected his name was Dobbs, he said, and they was the Blanchett brothers. Dr. Kirby and them got real well acquainted in about three minutes. We drove on ahead and got into the town first. The doctor says that balloon is just wasted on them fellers. They can't go up in her, not knowing that trade, but still they ought to be some way for them to make a little stake out of it before it was sold. The next evening we run across them fellers on the street, and they was feeling purty blue. They hadn't been able to sell that team and wagon, which it was eating its meals regular in a livery stable, and they had been doing stunts in the street that day and passing around the hat, but not getting enough for to pay expenses. "'Where's the balloon?' asks the doctor, and I seen he was sicking his intellects into the job of making her pay. "'In the livery stable with the wagon,' they tells him. He says he is going to figure out a way to help them boys. They is like all circus performers, he says. They just knows their own acts, and talks about em all the time, and studies up ways to make em better, and has got no more idea of business outside of that than a rabbit. We all went to the livery stable, and overhauled that balloon. It was an awful job, too. But they wasn't a rip in her, and the parachute was just as good as new." "'There's no reason why we can't give a show of our own,' says Dr. Kirby, "'with you boys and Danny and me and that balloon. "'What we want is a lot with a high board fence around it, "'like a baseball grounds, and the chance to tap a gas main. "'He says he'll be willing to take a chance on it, "'even paying the gas company real money to fill her up. "'What the doctor didn't know about starting shows wasn't worth knowing.' he had even went in for the real drama in his younger days now and then one of my theatrical productions came very near succeeding too he says it was a play he says in which the hero falls in love with a pair of siamese twins and commits suicide because he can't make a choice between them we played it as a comedy in the big towns and a tragedy in the little ones he says but like a fool i booked it for two weeks of middle-sized towns and it broke us the next day he finds a lot that will do just fine it has been used for a school playgrounds but the school has been moved and the old building is to be tore down he hired the place cheap and he goes and talks the gas company into giving him credit to fill that balloon which i kept wondering what was the use of filling her 
for none of the four of us had ever went up in one. And when I seen the handbills he had printed, I wondered all the more. They read as follows. Kirby's Comedy Company and Open Air Circus, presenting a peerless personnel of artistic attractions. Greatest in the galaxy of gaiety is Hartley L. Kirby, monologist and minstrel, dancer and vaudevillian, in his Terpsichorean travesties, buoyant burlesques, inimitable imitations, screaming impersonations, refined comedy sketches, and popular song hits of the day. The Blanchett Brothers, daring, dazzling, danger-loving, death-defying demons, joyous jugglers, acrobatic artists, constrictorial contortionists, exquisite equilibrists, in their marvellous, mysterious, unparalleled performances. Umslopagus, the Patagonian chieftain, the lowest type of human intellect. This formerly ferocious fiend has so far succumbed to the softer wiles of civilization that he is no longer a cannibal, and it is now safe to put him on exhibition. But to prevent accidents he is heavily manacled, and the public is warned not to come too near. Balloon! 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 The management also presents the balloon of Professor Alonzo Ackerman, the famous aeronaut, in which he has made his wonderful ascension and parachute drop many times, reaching remarkable altitudes. Balloon, balloon, balloon! Saturday, 3 p.m., Old Vandegrift School Lot, admission 50 cents. Well, for a writer, he certainly laid over Louis, Dr. Kirby did. More cheerful, like, you might say. I seen right off I was to be the Patagonian chieftain. I was getting more and more of an actor right along, first an Injun, then a wild Borneo, and now a Patagonian. But who is this Alonzo Ackerman? I asks him. Celebrated balloonist, says he, and the man that invented parachutes. They eat out of his hand. Where is he? asks I. How should I know? he says. How is he going up then? I asks. The doctor chuckles and says it is a good bill, a better bill than he thought, that it is getting in its work already. He says to me to read it careful and see if it says Alonzo Ackerman is going up. Well, it don't, but anyone would have thought so at first look. I reckon that bill was some of a liar herself, not lying outright, but just hinting a lie. They is a lot of mean, stingy-souled kind of people wouldn't never lie to help a friend but Dr. Kirby wasn't one of em. But, I says, when that crowd finds out Alonzo ain't going up, they will be pretty mad. Oh, says he, I don't think so. The American public are a good-natured sort of chuckleheads, mostly. If they get sore, I'll talk em out of it. If he had any faults at all, and mind you, I ain't saying Dr. Kirby had any, the one he had hardest was the belief he could talk any crowd into any notion, or out of it either, and he loved to do it just for the fun of it. He'd rather have the feeling that he was doing that than the money any day. He was powerful vain about that garb of his'n, Dr. Kirby was. The four of us took round about five thousand bills. The doctor says they is nothing like giving yourself a chance. And Saturday morning we got the balloon filled up, so she showed handsome, tugging away there at her ropes but we had a dern mean time with that balloon, too. The doctor says if we have good luck, there may be as many as three, four hundred people. But Jerusalem! They was two, three times that many. By the time the show started, I reckon they was nigh a thousand there. 
the doctor and the blanchet brothers was tickled when they quit coming fast the doctor left the gate and made a little speech telling all about the wonderful show and the great expense it was to get it together and all that they was a rope stretched between the crowd and us back of that was the blanchet brothers wagon and our wagon and our little tent i was just inside the tent with chains on back of everything else was the balloon well the doctor he done a lot of songs and things as advertised then the blanchet brothers done some of their acts they was really fine acts too then comes some more of dr kirby's refined comedy as advertised next more blanchet then a lecture about me by the doctor all in all it takes up about an hour and a half then the doctor makes a mighty nice little talk and wishes them all good afternoon thanking them for their kind intentions and liberal patronage one and all but when will the balloon go up asks half a dozen at once the balloon asks dr kirby surprised balloon balloon yells a kid and the whole crowd took it up and yelled balloon 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 and they crowded up close to that rope dr kirby has been getting off the wagon but he gets back on her and stretches his arms wide and motions of em all to come close ladies and gentlemen he says please to gather near up here good people and listen listen to what i have to say hearken to the utterings of my voice there has been a misunderstanding here there has been a misconstruction there has been ladies and gentlemen a woeful lack of comprehension here it looked to me like they was beginning to understand more than he meant them to i was wondering how it would all come out but he never lost his nerve listen he says very earnest listen to me somehow the idea seems to have gone forth that there would be a balloon ascension here this afternoon how i do not know for what we advertised ladies and gentlemen was that the balloon used by professor alonzo ackerman the illustrious aeronaut would be upon exhibition and there she is ladies and gentlemen there she is for every eye to see and gladden with the sight of right before you ladies and gentlemen the balloon of alonzo ackerman the wonderful voyager of the air exactly as represented during their long career kirby and company have never deceived the public others may but kirby and company are like caesar's wife kirby and company are above suspicion it is the province of kirby's comedy company ladies and gentlemen to spread the glad tidings of innocent amusement throughout the length and breadth of this fair land of ours and there she is before you the balloon as advertised the gallant ship of the air in which the illustrious ackerman made so many voyages before he sailed at last into the great beyond you can see her ladies and gentlemen straining at her cords anxious to mount into the heavens and be gone it is an education in itself ladies and gentlemen a moral education and well worth coming miles to see think of it think of it the ackerman balloon and then think that the illustrious ackerman himself he was my personal friend ladies and gentlemen and a true friend sticketh closer than a brother the illustrious ackerman is dead the balloon ladies and gentlemen is there but ackerman is gone to his reward look at that balloon ladies and gentlemen and tell me if you can why should the spirit of mortals be proud for the man that rode her like a master and tamed her like she was a dove lies cold and dead in a western graveyard ladies and gentlemen and she is here 
a useless and an idle vanity without the mind that made her go well he went on and he told a funny story about alonzo which i don't believe they ever was no alonzo ackerman and a lot of em laughed and he told a pitiful story and they got solemn again and then another funny story well he had em listening and pretty soon most of the crowd is feeling in a good humor toward him and one feller yells out go it you're a whole show yourself and some joshes him but they don't seem to be no trouble in the air when they all look to be in a good humor he holds up a bill and asks how many has them many has he says that is well and then he starts to telling another story but in the middle of the story that whole dern crowd is took with a fit of laughing they has looked at the bill closed and seen they is sold and is taking it good-natured and still shouting and laughing most of them begins to start along off and i thought all chance of trouble was over with but it wasn't for they is always a natural-born kicker everywhere and they is one here too he was a lean feller with a sticking-out jaw and one of his eyes was in a kind of a black pocket and he was just naturally laying it off to about a dozen fellers that was in a little knot around him the doctor sees the main part of the crowd going and climbs down off in the wagon as he does so that whole bunch of about a dozen moves in under the rope and some more that was going out seen it and stopped and come back professor says the man with the patch over his eye to dr kirby you say this man ackerman is dead yes says the doctor eyeing him over he's dead how did he die asks the feller he died hard i understand says the doctor careless like fell out of his balloon yes this aeronaut trade is a dangerous trade i hear says the feller with the patch on his eye they say so says dr kirby easy like was you ever an aeronaut yourself asks the feller no says the doctor never been up in a balloon no well you're going up in one this afternoon what do you mean asks dr kirby we've come out to see a balloon ascension and we're going to see it too and with that the whole crowd made a rush at the doctor well i been in fights before that and i been in fights since then but i never been in no harder one the doctor and the two blanchet brothers and me managed to get backed up agin the fence in a row when the rush come i guess i done my share and i guess the blanchet brothers done theirn too but they was too many of em for us too dern many it wouldn't have ended as quick as it did if dr kirby hadn't gone clean crazy his back was to the fence and he cleaned out everything in front of him and then he give a wild roar just like a bull and rushed that whole gang twenty men they was with his head down he caught two fellers one in each hand and he cracked their heads together and he caught two more and done the same but he order never took his back away from that fence the whole gang closed in on him and down he went at the bottom of a pile i was awful busy myself but i seen that pile moving and churning then i make a big mistake myself i kicked a feller in the stomach and another feller caught my leg and down i went for a half a minute i never knowed nothing and when i come to i was all mashed about the face and two fellers was sitting on me the crowd was tying dr kirby to that parachute they straddled legs over the parachute bar and tied his feet below it 
He was still fighting, but they was too many for him. They left his arms untied, but they held him, and then... Then they cut her loose. She went up like she was shot from a gun, and as she did, Dr. Kirby took a grip on a feller's arm that hadn't let loose quick enough, and lifted him plumb off in the ground. He slewed around on the trapeze bar with the feller's weight, and slipped head downward. And as he slipped, he gave that feller a swing and let loose of him, and then catched himself by the crook of one knee. The feller turned over twice in the air and landed in a little crumpled up pile on the ground, and never made a sound. The fellers that had holt of me forgot me and stood up, and I stood up too, and looked. The balloon was rising fast. Dr. Kirby was trying to pull himself up to the trapeze bar, twisting and squirming and having a hard time of it, and shooting higher every second. I reckoned he couldn't fall complete, for where his feet was tied would likely hold even if his knee came straight. But he would die, maybe, with his head filling up with blood. But finally he made a squirm and raised himself a lot and grabbed the rope at one side of the bar. And then he reached and got the rope on the other side and set straddle of her. And just as he done that, the wind catched the balloon good and hard, and she turned out toward Lake Erie. It was too late for him to pull the rope that sets the parachute loose then and drop onto the land. I rushed out of that schoolhouse yard and down the street toward the lake front and run, stumbling along and looking up. She was getting smaller every minute, and with my head in the air looking up, I was running plumb to the edge of the water before I knowed it. She was away out over the lake now, and awful high, and going fast before the wind, and the doctor was only a speck. And as I stared at that speck away up in the sky, I thought this was a mean world to live in, for there was the only real friend I ever had, and no way for me to help him. He had learned me to read, and bought me good clothes, and made me know they was things in the world worth traveling around to see, and made me feel like I was something more than just old Hank Walters's dog. And I guessed he would be drowned, and I would never see him again now. And all of a sudden something busted loose inside of me, and I sunk down there at the edge of the water, sick at my stomach, and weak and shivering. End of chapter 9